Think again, my friend. Episode 2. Meat Preservation. Contains explicit content. What are you listening to for the next half hour? Think again, my friend. The Panel Game Podcast for the Curious American. This episode, Meat Preservation. Five, four, three. I'm making two and one signs with my fingers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Think Again, my friend, the uh, panel game quiz show thing that we do, and we call that what it is. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbaker. If our panelists would introduce themselves to my left. My name is Kristen McCurdy. To my right. I'm Brendan Adkins, and does everybody know about that 2-1 thing from Wayne's World? Is that like one of those things that was industry private knowledge that has become public because of one movie? I That's what I'm assuming, actually. I think kind of every generation has some media touchstone for, you know, seeing how media works. Mm. And maybe prior to Wayne's World, there was, I don't know what there would have been. Network, uh, <laughs> WKRP in Cincinnati. I don't even know. I, I watched WKRP as a small child. Fernwood Tonight. Uh, I also watched that as an older child because it was on Nick at Night. All right, uh, but that's not what our show is about. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to read the- about all the TV shows I watched as a kid. <laughs> I think well, the TV shows we watched as a kid is ultimately what all of our shows are about. But this week our show <laughs> is about what everything's about. <laughs> uh, this this episode our show is about meat preservation. Uh, of course, uh, ever since meat was discovered to be the source of uh, dense calories and protein and deliciousness uh, that we know it to be, uh, we have sought ways to uh, preserve it because we can't quite produce it as fast um, as we would like to consume it. And we're gonna go over some of those methods tonight today this week it's not a weekly show <laughs> um, you could be listening pretty much anytime now first I, oh shit i didn't bring it out i had i had a thing i was all excited about is which is that i was going to bring out uh underwood deviled ham and normally i don't want to mention particular brands on the show necessarily because but they are not paying us they're not paying us at all um we but underwood <laughs> and we and we're not going to pay them at all but you paid for the ham. Yeah, I paid for the ham. It's yes, true. Right at first sale. Yes, but Underwood Devil Ham. It's like, I think it. it I first read it in a uh, in a David Cross article about being a Red Sox fan, and and it might not the this wisdom in particular might not have been original to him. But he said there are basically two kinds of people: Yankees fans and Red Sox fans. And Yankees fans just love dominant things because they're dominant, and hooray for dominance. Uh, at Rudy Giuliani being the um, archetypal Yankees fan who believes himself, by the way, to be an underdog uh, because he grew up in um, maybe Brooklyn, maybe the Bronx. At any rate, you weren't. Yeah, he grew up in Brooklyn, uh, so he was not to um, he was not expected to root for the Yankees, and yet did. And this is something that he likes to talk about it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get political. Well, I'm just saying. No, it is political. I, I think it is political. It's, it's an exercise for the for the listener. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I to, mean, to portray yourself as an underdog for liking the Yankees basically makes you the worst person on earth. Yes, I um, <laughs> but I think people are very good at compartmentalizing in which areas of their life they're a Yankees fan and which areas of their life they're a Red Sox fan. But I think people are always are kind of at their core fundamentally one or the other. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, I'm a Red Sox fan. I have no interest in the Red Sox or baseball, mm. but I recognize mm-hmm. that in myself. And yet, 
Underwood Deviled Ham. Nobody associates any other company with Deviled Ham. They own the category. They created the brand as far as everything that I can find as far as Deviled Ham being a product. And for some reason, that just makes me go, fuck yeah, Underwood. <laughs> they own this shit. And, well, yeah, I just opened up a, a few minutes ago a, a tin of Underwood Deviled Ham, and I was going to have us all taste it on air. But not only did I forget to bring it out here, um, but I don't really think we want to taste it. I, I'm firmly on your side. <laughs> okay. I, I suspect Schuster would have some. Schuster would have some. <laughs> and I suspect that's why the rest of us do not want to. Can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he actually would probably also find it very strange. He would probably merely lick up the gravy and then look at us like we were insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he it, would want to try it. it really, I have fond memories of it from my youth. Um, but yeah, I think it is essentially cat food that is made out of things that humans can eat, um, or that American humans are, are want to eat. Um, but yeah, my question is, what does deviled ham mean? Uh, <laughs> what is it? What is the term to devil something? Well, I mean, my, my instinct is to say that it is, uh, pulverized and spiced in some way. Uh, spiced is in fact what it refers to. Yeah. Yeah. Although the pulverization, uh, from what I can see, devil just refers to spice, but pulverization mm -hmm. is common with uh, deviled eggs. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't have um, much else on that. Again, research. 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 And <laughs> all right. My next question is, what is pemmican? Pemmican is like a pelican. <laughs> Does the pelican try to steal your cell phone, but then ultimately, ultimately decide not to? I think it's what happens when you have <clears throat> a pelican in Pokemon and you evolve it mm. with a secret rock <laughs> of some kind. It's something that uh, Native Americans had something to do with in my fourth grade history class. Okay, um, McCurdy has the right of it. Um, <laughs> is this like succotash? Uh, it is, in fact, rather similar to roulettes, which we... Um, which we ate here, um, which uh, our producer Matthew uh, served last weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm looking at Kristen as though she would know something about this, uh, but she would not have eaten it. It's a mixture of I fat and protein. Uh, and the, the preservation uh, technique is very similar, where you have a, a, the f you have a layer of fat at the top, and it kind of shields everything else um, below it. Oh, this is like that uh, non-digestible oil that you find out back of restaurants people turn into biodiesel, where it's like... This cannot possibly be utilized by any living being. <laughs> so we use it to preserve things. Um, it, it may go a little bit funny on the top layer. Not fair enough. Um, yeah, but if you, you, you crack that and if you have well-preserved roulettes, you can crack that and mix it in and it all works out fine. Oh, I see. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a slurry of uh, flavored fat and, uh, and protein. Yeah, the... Um... <laughs> I just... I'm captivated by the image of cracking the top layer of fat in order to get to the slurry. It's, I I want to I want to imagine that it's like creme brulee. It's a, a uh -huh. bit. spoon. You take your tiny Native American spoon and tap 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 around the edge. <laughs> the um, among the supplies taken by the Burke and Wills expedition across Central Australia uh, was allegedly pemmican or something pemmican-like. What what happened? Um, Allegedly, by virtue of uh, the pemmican, to uh, the Burke and Wills expedition. Um, scurvy. Scurvy is correct. Ooh. Yes, scurvy specifically called out 
in the Wikipedia history of this expedition. Uh, it is believed that the pemmican um, contributed directly. Okay, uh, which of the following products from the Hormel company is not real? This is a uh, multiple choice, of course. Mm. Spam with cheese, spam with bacon, spam with egg, or spam hot and spicy? I'm gonna say spam with cheese. Okay. My question is how many of those are Monty Python based? <laughs> like, with it, are they actually. Fewer than you would think. Incidentally, both of you just passed a test just now <laughs> by not starting to sing the spam song. Thank you. Um, I don't actually. I've gotta say spam song. with egg. There's no way you can preserve that. Like, you can preserve cheese in a can, but I'm not buying the egg. Uh, Mr. Adkins is correct again. I made up Spam with Egg. Spam with Cheese, Spam with Bacon, and Spam Hot and Spicy are all real products. Also, um, Spam Classic Single Serving. (laughs) For those times when you... When you need to pack uh, a week of Spam sandwiches for your children. And when opening a tin and slicing uh, a square hunk of meat. That may be the worst abuse of the adjective classic I've ever heard. (laughs) All right. Also from Spam Facts. Continuing on the subject of spam, uh, from this is from the Hormel website now. A tiny amount of sodium nitrite is used to help each can of spam keep its pink color. Without it, all pork products would turn gray. This is the admitted to reason for the presence of sodium nitrite, which is uh, toxic in sufficient uh, amounts. I believe uh, 4.3 grams um, for an average weight. It's not very person. many grams. It's not very many grams, but they don't put much in. Um, but what is the other reason uh, that Hormel would put sodium nitrite in Spam? Uh, it's delicious. I find that a, a nitrite flavor is kind of good. Like, I, I cure bacon at home. I get big hunks of pork belly, <clears throat> which is disturbing as all hell. Um, like, you feel so cool bringing it home because it's like it's got it's it's challenging to your sense of, you know, how close to the animal you are in being <laughs> a meat buyer and a meat eater. Yeah. You know, because when you get these big hunks of um, of pork belly, they probably still have, unless you're getting a, a smaller chunk from a sort of mainstream, like Asian supermarkets will have mm. chunks of pork belly sometimes. Um, but if you're getting a larger piece, frequently it still has the skin on. Yeah. And that's, that's pig skin. <laughs> uh, are we making you uncomfortable, Kristen? I'm sorry. No, I'm just I'm just leaning away from the microphone so as not to make weird breathing noises when I'm not talking. <laughs> okay. And also, Kristen does talking. breathe weird when we talk about pork. Yeah, it's <laughs> a known thing. <laughs> it's true. So but I had, you're curing bacon. Yes, yeah, so you cure bacon and you order some nitrite salt if you're going to do any bacon curing, um, and you order it from thesausagemaker.com, which is awesome. Um, you order anything from them and you'll and you'll get yeah. <laughs> You order it from them and, and that you, is awesome. Yes, <laughs> you will get their catalog for at least a year after you order anything from them. And the sausage maker catalog is just incredible, and I could go on about that. But um, maybe another show. Yeah. Uh, but I use sodium nitrite for the same reason, the same other reason, not because it keeps things pink. I don't care if they're pink. Um, but I use it for this same other reason. Do we have any guesses? I'm gonna go with alien conspiracy. I think it's probably a food additive that is meant to preserve the human body. <laughs> For when we are abducted and put in the tubes. Kristen, do you have a guess? Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with delicious. You're sticking with just flavor? Yeah. All right. I find that I do miss uh, the flavor um, that's missing from uh, from nitrite-free bacon that you get at the store. I do I do, I do. do want to add also that um, my, uh, my mother, God rest her soul, 
used to occasionally claim that she had headaches that could only be cured uh, by eating <laughs> hot dogs. Whoa. Yeah. There was something about the crappy nitrates that really uh, reset her system wow. in that way. That is fascinating. Um, it's, it's fascinating and a little terrifying. Uh, well, the reason is that sodium nitrite prevents uh, the development of botulism toxin. Botulism. Yeah. Which cannot be, it doesn't get killed when you boil a, uh, a can. It doesn't, get, uh, it doesn't get killed in any canning process. It, it does fine with temperature and everything else. So you have to have a chemical mm. means to prevent it. All right. Um, in 25 words or less, what is aspic? That's a lot less. <laughs> um, a racial slur? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I hate you all. I can't top that. Uh, <laughs> it's a, some form of... Uh, um, uh, basically, I'm trying to proteins. get us hate mail. This is what <laughs> I'm doing for the rest of this show. <laughs> you switch sides. Great. All right. Uh, aspic is the process of setting ingredients in jellied meat broth. I was getting there. I needed more uh, time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris, you're just you're playing us off against Brendan is what's going on. It's a two-on-one situation. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. But Aspic okay. is the... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot that Brendan is my opponent. <laughs> I'll try to remember that in the future. Thank you. Uh, aspic is the practice of setting uh, ingredients, usually savory, in a jellied meat broth. Um, what is it also known as? Hint, um, it was the title of a 1973 film co-starring William York. Oh, that's a hint? Yes. <laughs> that makes well, me know that's it the, less, That's the actually. level one hint. That's when like, you go to the hint book and it's like you give the, a little bit of a hint. And maybe if you need it, it'll tell you where to turn the pages. Angry because it just made things worse. (laughs) (laughs) Did people not have the multi-level hint book thing? Is that just in the games I played? Interactive fiction, yeah. But I always, I I was always frustrated by the level one hints and skipped right past them. So, (laughs) all right. The the um, the film also starred uh, Liza Minnelli and Joel Grey. And to be fair, this is also a Wikipedia fact, and it had no citation on it, so it is likely false. Well, it's not gelatin. No. It's not agar-agar, which is vegan, I believe. <laughs> no. no, it's aspic. It's another name for aspic. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? <laughs> <laughs> the dish is also known as, allegedly also known as a cabaret. Cabaret. I, I, I... Um, Joel Grey? Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> that's actually where I was going with this. And, and I should have known that because I made the acquaintance of a Norwegian man a couple of years ago who was telling me... <laughs> That this is a dish that there's a that there's a gelatin dish that involves um, fruit and meat and all sorts of weird things floating in gelatin that his family eats every year at Christmas. He's pretty sure it, the tradition will die with his parents because it is an awful thing. <laughs> but um, the dish is called cabaret. The dish is apparently called cabaret. Okay, but but he mentioned that to you. Yes. Oh wow. Yes. All right. And I completely forgot yeah. about it. Uh, what is the origin? To move on to the next question, what is the origin? Thank God. <laughs> what, what is the origin of the phrase "red herring"? Uh, I know this. Um, uh, do you? Yeah, this is uh, 
the oil of the red herring was mm-hmm. used to distract hunting dogs during training and throw them off trail. And then I guess the idea was that you would eventually teach them not to follow that scent and to actually follow the scent of the animal that was being hunted. I could be completely misremembering this, but it has to do with training hunting dogs. Huh. See, I uh, believe that it originated According with that to a Wikipedia article that I read about a year and a half ago <laughs> when I got in an argument with somebody about this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, what did you uh, I think it originated with that episode of Lost where the one guy eats a red fish. Hmm. I believe I believe the expression is older than that. But I, <laughs> I'm I, not sure I buy it. I, <laughs> Lost has been on for a long time. Yeah. I'll, An eternity, I'll, in fact. <laughs> seems that way. Uh <laughs> Uh, I, in fact, researched it's, a different, an entirely different part of the origin of the phrase uh, than you did. So, Ms. Okay. McCurdy, I cannot disprove your theory. But uh, the red, I don't think I can either. The, <laughs> the red herring itself, we've got to start researching in places other than Wikipedia. Um, the red herring itself is uh, the kipper, as ah. it is known uh, in, in the UK and parts of Europe. Uh, the kipper is a, um, it, well, it's popular on, on um, the Isle of Man in particular. Which is where many of my ancestors, not to, apparently this is the Kristen's family history episode, but (laughs) many of my ancestors, um, including uh, a lot of my LDS ancestors are from, were were (laughs) from the Isle of Man. Thank you. They were Manx. Yeah. Which means they had no tails. Mm -hmm. In the, uh, in the Manx Gaelic language, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the Manx word for uh, kipper is skedan yarg which I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it correctly. That's just a transliteration here. Okay. But it literally translates as red herring. Um, it is uh, A kipper, is, for those who don't know, is a small oily fish such as a herring that you split down the middle and you sort of open it out and you cold smoke it. Um, well, you salt it or, or cure it somehow and then you cold smoke it. And then after they're cooked, you you use them to distract hunting dogs, uh, which is which is why. Or you can have them for breakfast. Or you can have them for breakfast. the kippers. But that but not that the is why dogs. that is why red herring is a thing that is thrown in intentionally to distract you. Okay. And I will continue to bring this up for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I believe you, though. You don't have to keep bringing it up. I fully accept your explanation. But, but you might even get points for it. I don't, just because I want to see you find increasingly elaborate ways to justify it. <laughs> so, um, in 1923, yes, um, and I have no idea where I even got this text at this point, but I'm going to read it. In 1923, with an investment of $7 for an electric fan, buckets of brine, and cakes of ice... Clarence Birdseye invented and later perfected a system of packing fresh food into waxed cardboard boxes and flash freezing under high pressure. Uh, the Birdseye brand is, of course, still on frozen foods today. But the awesome part, what was his original profession? He was a murderer. <laughs> Close. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that he was in the irrigation trade. <laughs> wow. Nineteen twenty three well, okay. Um yeah. Yeah, no no there shit. Was, there was money in it then. <laughs> Seriously he was Not originally like a taxidermist. Uh, 
<laughs> it, was, it was like, well, what can I do with all of this stuff that I took out? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I am far of, more comfortable eating gelatin than I am knowing that. <laughs> according to uh, the vice president and one of the founders of the National Taxidermists Association, Mr. Bill Haynes. Yes. Um, in the... Um, does uh, does taxidermy or does it not um, formally and definitionally uh, include um, reproducing nature to exact standards? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they want to reproduce nature as it should have been, not okay. as it was. Interesting. All right, Ms. McCurdy. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to yeah. say I'm going to say that um, you you want to reproduce nature. Um, uh, uh, to as close as close to what you you would remember, but okay. then then you'd have like taxidermied animals that are lying on the ground uh, with holes in them. <laughs> um, I recently did some research about pet pet, pet taxidermy. Oh, um, there are there are consumers uh, who who uh, would like to have their animal lying on its bed in the corner of the room forever forever my goodness and this this doesn't depress them <laughs> <laughs> but according to according to bill haynes in an interview in the new york times and admittedly he may have been a little bit keyed up and i'll tell you what the article what he was being interviewed uh, in response to but uh, his definition here is, the National Taxidermists Association is an organization devoted to wildlife art, i.e. we reproduce nature to exact standards that represent the good Lord's work. Mm. This is about psycho, isn't it? So no, this is, um, damn it. Okay. Uh, no, but Ms. McCurdy is correct. What, uh, what he was being interviewed in response to is uh, the Minnesota Association of Rogue Taxidermists. Uh, doing a gallery show in which uh, there were such exhibits as Goth Griffin, which was constructed from a feral farm cat and a crow, both of which were roadkill, um, and a couple of other similar uh, fanciful things. And of wow. course, these were far from the first uh, fanciful taxidermies that were ever done. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, apparently the word taxidermy to refer to this practice is even relatively new. <laughs> um, and taxidermy might better described as sculpture with an animal skin around it almost because really you don't um yeah i mean you're basically using like chicken wire and stuff right yeah yeah and you don't preserve much at all uh, of the animal just the skin so i found that interesting yeah yeah so all right <laughs> did we did we discuss jenny hanivers in the now lost shark episode uh i don't believe so this was like before taxidermy was respectable people would find weird fish or stitch multiple weird fish together to create uh you know freak shows that they would let mm -hmm. somebody into a tent and give you five seconds to look at it for a nickel or whatever right but those are called jenny hanover's how is that jenny hanover's yes is that I, that must be named for somebody who is not very happy about it presumably yeah. although i don't know I, I i believe i believe um jenny hanover's were also at one time used to um train Hunting dogs. 
in the nineteenth in nineteenth century England. It was um, just one person named Jenny Henry. <laughs> she had a really bad job. <laughs> and then and then she got kind of sick. Was yeah. tired of being led through the woods. So uh, so that's why they had to <laughs> start using kippers. All right. Um, All right. Um, well. Um, we have time for one more question, and it is, of course, uh, the Cold War question of the week. And again, it is not a weekly show. Um, MREs, or Meals Ready to Eat, yes, um, as they are known in the uh, United States Armed Forces. Well, first, a couple of preliminary questions. Uh, how many feet, from how many feet up can they be dropped from a helicopter and not explode? 3,000. Adkins says 3,000. McCurdy. I'm going to say 20,000. 20,000 feet. How do you get a helicopter to 20,000 feet? The answer is 200 feet. So you both way overshot. 201 feet and that shit will blow up. So pretty much if you're parachuting... Don't don't take your lunch with you. Uh, or you know don't don't drop don't use your, your lunch, lunch as a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> or don't Unless, drop your lunch in the sense of in the very literal. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. also and also if you are um, in Afghanistan and you are dropping food packages, and you want to use them as munitions, all you have to do is get to two hundred and five <laughs> feet. I don't think they explode very you know violently. <laughs> I don't think you could take out, you know, they, a, a they just become with them. In, in, inedible. I, I bet you could but I, eliminate I'm, I'm, a school. I'm, I'm, picturing, <laughs> I'm picturing some awkwardness. <laughs> uh, MREs more lately in the United States Armed Forces have led to the emergence of, of what substance as an ad hoc currency? Tuna. Atkins? Uh, any food that's not an MRE. <laughs> You're probably correct. Um, the answer, however, is is an element of uh, of the modern MRE. Um, it is hot sauce. Wow! Packets of hot sauce are swapped uh, at mealtime. Okay. As to buy, perhaps to buy extra desserts. This is like in prison where you can trade well, your bunkmate, trading your cigarettes. Well, we, what, what I was actually thinking of um, when I said tuna is that uh, it's my understanding that in the California prison system, ever since the smoking ban. Cans of tuna have have replaced cigarettes as currency. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Actually, I think we talked about that before. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually had an idea, but then I you had an idea, but the idea it. was not was not present. <laughs> Misplaced it. Uh, our Cold War question of the week is um, is simple. The um, the question of perhaps nuclear fallout. Um, yes being headed towards uh, your major municipal area led to the practice of uh, certain, let's call them fallout-aware individuals, um, <laughs> to, have, to have on their person, in their home, uh, what's known as the, the B.O.B., the bug-out bag. If you need to bug out because really, that's fallout... that's what that stands for? Yes. I understood it to mean battery-operated boyfriend for a long time. <laughs> I'm sure it means different things to different people. Uh, no, the bug out bag um, contains, you know, all the things that you might need that will not be present at the presumably safe location to which you are heading, the safe and resource rich location hmm. to which you are heading in your BOV. Um, <laughs> and you know, I and don't have to tell you what that stands for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, your, your B.O.B. might contain things like clothing, um, frying pan, uh, first aid kit, snake bite kit, sunblock, bug spray, uh, MREs, and what key item to go with the MREs? It is specialized. Somewhat. Um, Brendan's really led me off trail. <laughs> <laughs> What's great is that in both sets of definitions, the, the B.O.B. Was... fits easily inside the B.O.B. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say a uh, uh, specialized utensil of some kind, like either to open the MRAs or to eat them. Hmm. Okay. McCurdy? Um, uh, Crank-operated radio. How does that go with an MRA? (laughs) You can use it to call for help. (laughs) When you can't open your MRE because you didn't bring an MRE opener. I I think I'm just entirely... It's as if I've been let off trail by the smell of Kipper snacks. (laughs) (laughs) I I confess what what led me a little bit off trail. What I was confused by is the presence of a frying pan and a, a, quote, mess kit uh, on this list, along with this item. Because MREs and MRE heaters. MRE heaters are a thing. Apparently, I assume this means sterno cans. Yeah. Essentially, I just broke my rule about brands. Um, <laughs> but sterno is more or less genericized at this point, isn't it? I, I bet they'd sue you over this. All right, cool. I look forward to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a we have a generous liability policy <laughs> yeah. here at Think Again, my friend. So, All right. uh, you know, feel free to uh, chase us down for whatever paper clips we have to spare um <laughs> do we want to do one more question do i want to do this question badly enough well, yes. are we doing challenge questions today oh oh, oh. oh my god okay um, yes i know that kristen has one i i do have one um um so brendan uh, can can you tell me how is liquid smoke made uh is it made by um a taking some a lot of salt and adding some high fructose corn syrup and selling it to anybody who's dumb enough to buy it sounds B, delicious <laughs> B, uh actually distilling uh, or actually condensing smoke adding some water and selling that product possibly with the addition of high fructose corn syrup <laughs> to anybody who's dumb enough to buy it or c a little bit of Good. I'm I'm totally failing at asking this question. <laughs> a little bit, a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, you know, I would have thought it was a much more exotic process because when I'm assuming you're thinking of liquid smoke as applied to food. Yes, yes, I am. Whereas when I think of liquid smoke, I think of the stuff that you would get from the back of the comic books that you would put on your fingers and snap, and it would produce a smoke-like substance, sort of. Whoa! Wow! Probably some kind of highly illegal polymer that you can't give to humans anymore um i'm gonna go with c you're right yeah c seems more or less accurate (laughs) yeah i mean we did some very hasty research and had an argument this morning before you came over um which is so you just how i intend to generate all my challenge questions from from now on so that even i don't actually know the answer (laughs) (laughs) all right and brendan adkins to block all right uh the Spanish dish angulas is a variation on jellied ales that differs from the dish as most people know it. How? Is it A, it mimics the texture of eel with beef tripe, B, it is inedible, 
C, it is mildly hallucinogenic. Or D, it is made entirely of baby eels. I'm going to go with D. Mike, do you have an answer? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, beef tripe. Oh, Kristen's correct. Oh, my God. Baby eels <sighs> preserved in their own glutinous jelly. Oh, well, see, we didn't talk about jelly eels earlier, yeah. which is a fascinating traditional dish um, in, in Britain, uh, which is it's the sauerkraut of meat, essentially. <laughs> what is wrong with those you, you add you add um, you just take eels <laughs> and some some salt, I presume, and some water. And it actually leaches collagen and gelatin out of the eels and turns and the broth just let them sit into uh, into an aspic essentially. Yeah. Um, and I compare Seriously, that to Seriously, Mike. What? Latino, Hispanic, like what? Never mind. Not the preferred term. <laughs> Have some sensitivity, Michael. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, as compared to sauerkraut, which is where you have a bunch of shredded cabbage and you just add salt, and the brine kind of emerges as the uh, as mm-hmm. the cabbage gives off water. I'm allowed to say cabbage. <laughs> I'm not allowed to. Say- okay, never mind. <laughs> I didn't say you were allowed to say cabbage. <laughs> I'm. I was just gonna let that one slide because I right. didn't want this to be the like, Kristen yelling at Mike hour. <laughs> well, Kristen yelling at Mike for being racist hour. <laughs> Did you have another question? Um, I do. This is among my pet topics. Oh. Um, oh. Almost literally. This is a short uh-huh. answer question. And I would like you to give three reasons why pressed duck, a French food, mm-hmm. is terrifying. Um, <laughs> the duck is pressed while living. <laughs> no, but the duck. start. <laughs> the duck is, um, is pressed uh, um, po- politically interrogation <laughs> it's actually waterboarded <laughs> close but it's legal um, to do that to ducks third, in France yes that's in right in France uh, uh, legally fuck but you can't get those ducks stop sidetracking me uh, third reason third reason uh, the, the duck is um, uh, the duck is pressed uh, to a thickness of five centimeters that, millimeters. Uh, Crap. That's what I meant. That's actually more right than you think. Whoa. Uh, Kristen, do you have any answers for this? Wait, uh, pet. You said pet. pet. Is the duck pressed Only by being the... inside a snake? <laughs> by inside a cat, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, actually, it's actually consumed by a small marsupial of some kind. Exactly. Um, Best duck coffee you've ever had. <laughs> I'm going to say it's terrifyingly delicious. <laughs> May well be. I will never eat it to find out. All right. The three reasons. Uh, nor will I. The three canonical no. reasons I had were. Um, oh, the canonical reasons. First. <laughs> so this is basically what the nerds on alt.fan.pressduck have agreed. Oh, no. This is what I have agreed with myself. <laughs> Um, and that's and you've written the canon then. Exactly. I th- think of myself as an authority. You, you have curated the canon of why press duck is terrifying. Exactly. Brendan, Brendan is the only person who posts to alt.fan.pressduck. <laughs> yeah. There are arguments occasionally. But... <laughs> All right. The reasons are, first, right. if you are going to press a duck, mm-hmm. you must strangle it to preserve the blood. You can't behead it. You have to strangle it. Second. <laughs> oh, the duck is, uh, first you, you know, fillet it and remove some of the meat and, and pluck it. After that, you put it in a duck press, which is designed specifically and only for this purpose. 
and crank a handle until everything that remains of the duck is made into a slurry, <laughs> which is then the sauce for the duck meat. <laughs> the third reason press duck is terrifying is that that duck press, at least some of them, has little webbed feet. <laughs> like like little iron feet? Yeah, yeah, little brass feet. Like, that, like that's the feet on bathtubs? No, like like duck feet. No, I know. But yes, that, that's that, what supports the it. Way that, the, way that, the way that duck's feet look. Oh. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm ruined. I can't French go on. French people are weird. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is terrifying and... and um, well, well, chefs all over the world are insane. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and, and, okay, birds in general are pretty mean, and ducks can be kind of assholes. Mm. So, like, I can, I can sort of see, like, it goes <laughs> against my particular uh, moral uh, in- inclinations. I can see wanting to strangle a duck every <laughs> once in a while. So maybe, you know, you know. What you're saying is that in antiquity, a... <laughs> A proto-French person was bitten by a duck and was like, fuck this. That is the last time, that is the last time you nip my ankles, you stupid bird. Because <laughs> chefs were also certainly involved in the raising of, of ducks um, mm-hmm. in the era in which this um, dish was conceived. They're also the ones who came up with, you know, force-feeding geese. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Geese deserve it, too. We have, we have really, we have really ended this on a happy note. Hell Yes. Um. I, I want to thank uh, our panelists, Brendan Adkin and Kristen McCurdy. Brendan Adkin. Brendan Adkin. <laughs> Brendan Adkins and Kristen McCurdy. Ne- next time we will all be drunker. Yes, we will be, be drunk and we'll all be on time. Uh, Brendan Adkins and, and Kristen McCurdy, we're both on time. might actually be here. Yes. Not watching soccer. <sighs> oh my God. Uh, thanks to producers. Uh, uh, Matthew Schuler and, and Kimberly Armstrong for, for making nothing. this show what it is. For nothing. <laughs> and thanks thank to you. our host, Mike Sugarbaker. Oh, well, thank and you. Thanks to our host, Mike Sugarbaker, and also um, our our uh, assistant, uh, Schuster McCurdy, who um, provided moral support. Mostly didn't jump on our laps. And mostly didn't jump on our laps at inconvenient times yeah. and did not use his claws once. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Please join us again when our topic will be something else. Wait, who won? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, man, not not the ducks. We are. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> ducks, ducks minus a million points. I all think right. uh, they're Do want... they're down. All right, for sure. Um, I'm gonna give Brendan um, eight, eight points. Brendan, how many points does Kristen get? Kristen gets at least nine points. All right, Kristen, how many points do I get? Seven point two four. I resent that. (laughs) All right. Thank you you for listening. Uh, Join us again. (laughs) Our theme contains elements from the album, Waste of Energy, by Synthetic Synergy. Our show is copyright 2010. All rights reserved.